You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's do this. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition on a game week. Your Kansas City Chiefs kick the season off for all of the National Football League. A right you earn when you are the world champions, which your Kansas City Chiefs are. And they look to extend their 51-7 run on the Houston Texans. We got plenty to talk about that. We got to talk about the roster. We're going to answer all your questions it's the mailbag episode. Let's do this. I am beyond excited. My dear pals are with me. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, what's up? I'm a little shook at this new intro we got going on here. I, I wasn't ready for the Kent Swanson in a new baseball cap coming in with a brand new intro. Never heard before. Just completely mix it up. I was caught a little off guard for this, and so I'm still trying to get my bearings back under me, but I'm, I'm doing well. We had our first full, well, like quarter full week of college football this past week. Not, none of the big Power 5 schools, but there was some fun football to watch. And here in a couple days, the football season, the NFL football season starts. Our beloved reigning world champions play this Thursday night. It is time. We are almost here. This is the last mailbag edition that is coming without a game preceding it or coming up in the following week. Like, this is the way to go. But I have real breaking news. The Renaissance man just made his best meal he has ever made this <laughs> evening. Craig, buddy, Barley Hop on Twitter, please tell us what kind of fantastic meal you made and when is the special airing on Netflix? It's Cubans and it's always Cubans. That's that's what I make. Always. I, that's the best that thing true. that I make. I will I will eat everyone's Cuban sandwiches and I will make them relentlessly. I Have you, you had guys a know how much Cuban? I <laughs> What is that? Is it just ketchup on two pieces of bread? Anyway. No, it's a um, Subway. It's the Subway Cuban. Uh, the grilled ham and no. cheese. You guys know how much I brag. Anybody who Little. listens to this podcast knows how much I brag. That's the best thing I've ever made. Ever. Was tonight I was in a food coma and Kent snapped me out of that with that amazing intro i'm ready to go no humility whatsoever from a craig stout when it comes to his cooking we have learned and i don't blame him all right five star reviews if you like what we're doing on the arrowhead pride podcast channel all the work that we're doing all the free content we're giving you leave a five star review if you ask a question on your five star review we'll answer it uh so this is first question First off, love the pod. AP Lab helps me get through the work week. Uh, love the vibe and all the hard work y'all put in to make it informative. Thank you very much. My question, Clyde is clearly the number one back, but do you think he'll consistently be the third down back or will he split reps with Daryl the Barrel because of his unrefined pass blocking? <laughs> that is from Crossbreakit07. I'm still so disappointed this nickname has stuck. <laughs> Oh, it and it's really stuck. It's it, really stuck. It's it been multiple such years a, now. Like three Bad years. Nickname and it sticks. I don't know why, but the issue is, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire isn't a bad pass protector, and he's a fantastic receiver. Like, if you want to make him the full-time third down back, I have absolutely zero qualms with that. He might even be the best at it. However. I think Daryl Williams has the trust of the offense 
uh, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, I do think they trust him to get his assignments right more often than not. I think they trust him going out on routes. So I would not be surprised to see him get roughly half or maybe even a little bit of the most of the split of third down running back duties. I think Clyde will get more opportunities to catch passes, whether you want to do by targets or routes run. But Daryl Williams being the primary third down back would not surprise me because it's about a trust thing. It's less about your ability to be a receiver. It's just, are you trusted not to get Patrick Mahomes killed and to be a quality receiving option if need be? And I think Daryl Williams checks those boxes already. It's proven. Hopefully Clyde takes that role, but at the same time, if you want Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be your main back on first and second down, then you might need to give him a breather occasionally on third down, and if you have a guy like Daryl that can step in and do that, that's just a bonus. It's going to be Clyde because he told you already he knows the playbook. It was the easiest thing in the world to him. He just <laughs> walks in and knows Andy Reid's playbook. I I do think it's going to be Clyde. I just think that they're going to weaponize him, and I think that they're going to be able to get the absolute most out of him. Yes, the pass blocking does need a little bit of work, but I think we saw you know Kareem Hunt's rookie year. Andy Reid was not afraid to still trot him out there, even though his pass blocking needed to develop a little bit more. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a better player in a lot of the same spots that Kareem Hunt was used in Andy's you know, in his rookie year with Andy. So I just think that they're going to lean on him a little bit more. But yes, I would not be surprised to see Daryl the Barrel rotate in plenty along with Clyde. Yeah, I, I do think they're going to try to spell him a little bit on third downs because they are going to utilize the first-round pick, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a lot, first and second down. Um, but he's still going to get some run there too. I don't have any doubt in my mind. I cannot wait to see what this offense looks like, what kind of wrinkles they have, how they utilize Clyde Edwards-Alaire, um, the angle routes that you're going to see. Zach Cunningham just got paid a lot of money, and there's a chance that he can just – uh, Clyde might take half of it from him on uh, on Thursday. Uh, APNerdSquad at gmail.com. If you don't have a Twitter and you don't ask on there, if you haven't left a five-star review or you don't want to leave a five-star review um, or you already have, you can email us at APNerdSquad at gmail.com. And Derek asks, if Craig created a football video game, what would it be titled and why would it be better than the game that shall not be named? Thanks for all the hard work, fellas. I mean, it, it would be ESPN 2K21. We'd just <laughs> resurrect the 2K franchise because it was way better than Madden, and they kind of got the shaft there. But if I was making something for myself, it would be something along the lines of like a Tecmo Super Bowl. Love old school video games. First of all, Madden was the best football game, pro football game around. People have nostalgia for ESPN's 2K series and NFL oh. game day in which it was like myself or Craig trying to go out there and play quarterback. You couldn't complete a pass more than two yards to save your life in those two games. Madden had the best series until all competition fell off and then they just proceeded to put out the exact same game every single year for a decade. But if Craig were to be in charge, which, I mean, I all we all know he should be, there would be a virtual reality video game. You would slap on, not even a headset, he would just have a pair of glasses that you put on that are shipped to you like in Mission Impossible, just they don't self-destruct. You put those on, you go through all the motions of playing whatever position you want with other average Joes around the world. Craig just put on glasses for those that are catching me giggle right now. He's showing us the prototype now. But it would just be 22 couch potatoes, armchair quarterbacks with these virtual reality goggles on, just playing football in their living rooms, crushing into their dogs, stepping on their children. It would essentially <laughs> just be like an arena football game, just with virtual reality. Uh, no, the game would clearly be called Patrick LeVon Mahomes Football 2021, because he's <laughs> starting his own franchise, because he owns everything else in this world. Uh, so Craig would be designing Patrick LeVon Mahomes Football 2021. Uh, and it would be the f hottest selling game of all time. And the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl every year, not because uh, of Craig's design, just because that's how good they are in real life. Twitter questions. SoCal1186. Biggest surprise of Cutdown Day, Breland Speaks or Jody Fortson? It Speaks. Uh, speaks was the second round pick. 
Uh, Jody Fortson was a UDFA, a guy at a very strong position. I mean, this isn't even, you know, team fit sort of situation. It's a bigger surprise because one of these guys was a guy that they traded up for, that they felt the need to go up and get in the early day two of the 2018 draft. And Jody Fortson just frankly was a UDFA that was a practice squad guy. So uh, just from a pure investment that they put into the player itself having to walk away from a second round draft pick looks a lot worse for a gm than walking away from a udfa i mean had to do it uh brett veach really kind of spoke very truthfully about breland speaks today yeah i I mean he said it's up that from the podium go listen to it on the arrowhead pride podcast channel but he was not holding back about Breland Speaks not being ready, being behind the eight ball, being overweight last year. It just kind of unloaded everything for the reason why they cut him. I mean, it's Breland Speaks, and it's not even close. Uh, Jody Fortson does not have the profile of an NFL football player. You don't. You just cannot run a four eight four, or even if he wants to play faster at a four seven, you can't play wide receiver in the NFL with that lack of speed. Fortson hasn't been particularly close to making it on the field in an NFL game. Like, Breland Speaks has been rostered. He's been on the field. He's played actual reps. I'd say Jody Fortson is just right there with other undrafted free agents like Darrell Williams, the offensive lineman, LaVert Hill. I mean, any other undrafted free agent, Rodney Clemens, that you want to put in there for a guy that just quite simply may not be good enough to make an NFL team. He's just a guy that's really impressive at camp because it's a little bit more structured of a scenario, and he's allowed to shine in these contested catch situations, which he's fantastic at. It's just a matter of translating that onto the field. There's just not much to go on there for Fortson, whereas Speaks has definitely been a disappointment, and I don't think the Chiefs are hiding from that, but he's at least been good enough to make a roster to be put on the field to see if he's going to excel or not. He has a physical profile that works on some level, I'm just not sure Fortson has that, and I don't think it should have been expected that he was going to make the roster at any point in time. Yeah, sweep it. Um, this is not to dunk on Jody Fortson here. Um, there's just there's a lot of love for him, and I get it because it's it's a fun thing to see a guy winning at the catch point. But structurally, like just a couple of things with Jody Fortson within an offense, how does he operate? What is he providing? He's he's a back shoulder fade guy like he's a big body catch point guy that's not really operating within the the structure of the offense that's not how the chiefs operate um and special teams too like i don't know how he's going to fit in there so like i i don't think any of us were really expecting jody Fortson to make the football team fun story it's a really fun story um breathing speaks was shocking ryan scott hall our dear pal the og from the ahpkc podcast what are we eating on Thursday, boys? This is going to probably disappoint some people, or maybe it'll come as no surprise for me. I'm not sure, but I don't have rituals or plan out meals for Chiefs games. I Shocker. oftentimes don't even eat during them. I, I pay attention to the game way too much. I stand up and pace around my living room or watch the game standing if I'm at home. So I, the meals aren't that big to me. It's so like my, my Thursday will most likely be a very normal breakfast, dinner for me. And then once the Chiefs game starts, I mean, maybe I'll have wings that night just because I enjoy wings and it's a football food, but that would be about as far as I would have for kind of like a pre-planned meal based around football. It's going to be cold and rainy, and I already know that we're making a Tuscan soup with with a nice crusty bread and lots of kale. It's going to be really delicious. I know that's not a football food. I'm just really looking forward to it because (laughs) it's finally getting cold. It's starting to feel like fall. I think I might have to get some peanut wings. I think that might be the move. That might be a good way you to suck. kick off the season. Just enjoying some delicious wings from the peanut, uh, some cheese fries. Brandon, 422. Darwin Thompson won the running back three role this year. What's his role this year? Best case scenario for him, and will the addition of Clyde help or hurt him? I, I mean, I don't think it necessarily helps him. Uh, you know, if it was a veteran back that had kind of come in that had a little bit of NFL savvy to kind of help coach Darwin up a little bit, that might help. But I don't know that he's really going to be able to lean on Clyde too terribly much. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that works. But I do think that he's going to be a key special teamer. 
I think we're going to see him get some of these short yardage looks like he did a little bit last year. And I think we'll just kind of see him rotated in a little bit here and there. If Daryl gets banged up, if Clyde gets banged up, obviously, then all of a sudden Darwin just becomes very important as a handcuff of these three. That's part of the reason why we've always talked about how Andy Reid likes to carry four. These guys get hurt a lot. They like having the depth. Darwin's, I think, just going to be relegated to a special teams role, but ready to step in as soon as one of those guys goes down. Yeah, I think Darwin's main job is going to be as a special teams player, and then he'll be like a spell running back if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Darryl Williams gets banged up or they have a series they see a lot of work. Maybe the next series, Darwin Thompson takes the running back to role just for that specific series to let a guy, you know, work out of work out a cramp or just something along those lines. I don't think he's going to have a big role in the offense until you get later in the year if there's a little bit of an injury or wear and tear to one of those top two guys. I do think the introduction of Clyde into this offense is going to hurt his chances a little bit. When I charted Darwin Thompson's runs down the stretch last year, he got the vast majority or the vast majority of his carries were either inside zone or kind of duo power runs. And he was the guy that was getting most of those runs. It definitely wasn't Damian Williams. LaShawn McCoy earlier in the year had a little bit more inside zone runs, but he was still getting just as much work on the outside. If the Chiefs do transition like most of the NFL has to primarily inside zone or duo runs, that is something that Darwin Thompson looked the best at last year rather than on outside zone. And now you have two runners ahead of him that probably operate with a little bit better patience and vision. It's like while the scheme changes to suit him better, I think the guys in front of him are now going to be better than he is on those runs. That just might hurt some chances he would have had if you compare it to last year. I believe in the Super Bowl last year, the Chiefs, only rostered two running backs on the active roster. LaShawn McCoy did not play. Uh, I believe it was just, I think it was just Damian Williams and Darwin Thompson. I think Darwin Thompson will be a third active running back this year. Um, Week one, he's going to be a a heavy, uh, heavily utilized special teamer. And I think he'll get a carry or two here or there, but he's not going to get a ton of opportunities this season. Um, But he stuck around. And if someone gets hurt, they have a guy that they have confidence in that apparently had a good camp. Uh, it seemed like Brett Veach was pretty happy with him. So that's a good thing. They've got some depth there. Andrew Nagel, too. What teams from each conference do you see as the biggest threat to beat the Chiefs when they go back to the AFC Championship game and Super Bowl now that we know the rosters? Uh, so for me, it's Baltimore and the Saints. And the Saints are loading up. They're all in for uh this year obviously they tried to get uh Jadavian Clowney failed but they uh they've got a they still got a very good roster uh I expect them to make it out of the NFC and I think Baltimore is your biggest challenger right now um and I don't think it's particularly close in the AFC those are the two that I probably would have gone with as well so I'll go deep here and not try and take one of the obvious ones um I think the Titans have a good defense a very, very scary defense that if they put it all together could be a threat. Now, obviously, Ryan Tannehill does not scare me at all, but the defense is pretty good. And then the Minnesota Vikings on the NFC side. Kirk they, Cousins? Listen. We're I betting knew, on Kirk Cousins. We Did are you betting see on that the defense. max velocity that Kirk Cousins oh, can whip goodness. out there, though, baby? Yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's fake. Listen, milk does a body it. good. That's what happens there. Um, I I love what the Vikings have done on defense. How too deep they are, basically. They've got superstars all over that defense. I, I really, really like that defense. I, I know that losing Stephon Diggs is a huge blow, but I like Justin Jefferson a lot, too. So I think the Vikings could do some damage. I think for me, the most obvious NFC team is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it's one of the few teams in the NFL that's going to be able to go toe to toe with the Chiefs on offense, assuming Tom Brady isn't what you saw last year. And that really was because, well, he had zero help around him anywhere that those offensive skill positions are probably second in the NFL to the Chiefs. I mean, that's a good group if Tom Brady's what he was even two, three years ago. Bruce Arians as the head coach is phenomenal. They have a lot of fun players on every level of their defense. Like, there's a lot of talent on that team. It's really just about what Tom Brady you're going to get. And the AFC, 
I think the Ravens are the most obvious answer, but the Buffalo Bills to me, I think they scare me almost as much as the Ravens. If Josh Allen can continue to take these half steps forward, and they are half steps forward, don't say full steps. Maddie just admitted, Maddie just admitted that Josh Allen got better. I heard it. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just a half step forward until he throws a 50-yard Hail Mary to his fullback in a game headed for overtime. But um, Just wait. But no, if he takes another half step forward and then you give them Stephon Diggs and you have that defense, like there's a lot of firepower there. As long as Josh Allen can just not shoot that team in the foot, they're going to be in contention of almost every game they play. He's They have enough firepower that if Josh Allen can get hot at some point in time, they are just as much of a threat as any other team in the AFC. So I think the Bills and the Bucks would be two of my top three teams that could stop the Chiefs from winning back-to-back Super Bowls. Josh Allen taking a half step is literally all he needs to be able to throw it 60 yards over his receiver's head. That's all it takes. Maybe if he would throw to a receiver, not a fullback, it would only be 40 <laughs> yards over their head. This is this hurts because I'm quietly rooting very hard for Josh Allen. And Stefan Diggs. <laughs> Ricardo, is t- he got away from Kirk Cousins. I would love to know how fast Kirk Cousins threw on that pass to the wide open running back against the Chiefs. What was the velocity on that one? Uh, Ricardo Istanbul asks, does Ricky Seals-Jones have a chance of being active on Thursday and playing a role in the offense this season as the third tight end? The Chiefs tight end room right now is a little confusing to me. I do think we're going to get news about Yelder coming up, whether it is an IR thing. Now, I guess the rules this year are a bit different. It's only If you IR a player, it might only be three weeks. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised to see Yelder hit the IR because he hasn't been really to practice much at all at camp, which would leave Ricky Seals-Jones as your third tight end. And I think the Chiefs are set on keeping at least three. I mean, right now they have four, but I think they want at least three tight ends on the roster. So I do think there is a good chance he's active. I'd say a higher chance for him than Yelder at this point in time. However, a playing a role on the offense, that's a little bit more debatable to me. He looked like the least athletic of the three, four, if you include Daniel Helm at tight ends that we got to see in the one live practice. I don't think he brings much as a blocker. So I think his biggest role would be if Travis Kelsey gets injured and they need somebody else to play in space a little bit more often, if they need someone to replicate the YISO looks or when he's split out. I don't love the idea, but I think that's really where his role in the offense would lie. I don't expect much 13 personnel out of the Chiefs. Uh, We know that they use 12 personnel a lot, a lot respectively, not, not, you know, necessarily a high, high percentage there, but a lot compared to what the league does. I just don't see Ricky Seals-Jones lining up in the same ways that we're expecting, you know, Nick Kaiser in line as a blocker or Travis Kelsey, you know, out in the slot doing that sort of thing. So I think that Ricky Seals-Jones will be active, but another one of the situations like Darwin Thompson where he's going to be on special teams, I think that he moves well enough. You know, you put him on a coverage team, he moves well enough in a straight line that you can get him downfield, have him cover punts, have him cover kicks. I think he can be an impact special teamer. I thought his his effort was inconsistent when he was on special teams when I watched him last year, when I was breaking that stuff down. So this is going to be interesting. Um, We're going to find out pretty quick. Uh, this week, it would be very curious to see what kind of wrinkles, what kind of guys are involved. And he's one of the guys definitely to keep an eye on as far as who's being utilized, where, how, that kind of stuff. Ricky Seals Jones is one of those guys. We're going to find out if he's just a depth player, if they have a plan for him. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to take a break and we will be back with more of your questions right after this. All right. And Russell 2018 asks. Veach said the D-line was the deepest area of the team. Could the Chiefs feasibly have a top five defensive front this year? This is going to hurt me to say, but no. No, I just don't think that that's the case. I I do think the defensive line is very good. I think it's very deep. I think that Tano's ready to grow into that role. We love Derek Nadi. Chris Jones is a phenomenal three-tech. Frank Clark is a stud at defensive end. That works. That four down works really well. It's when you take the step back to the second level that everything just slows way down. And I mean that as the speed of the linebackers because Willie Gay is not playing right now. So 
I just think that they really need a couple more bodies at that second level that they're comfortable with before we can start talking about them having a top five defensive front. They they just don't have enough studs at that second level to be able to say, hey, these guys are going to be able to line up and stop absolutely anybody with their front seven. I just don't see that happening. I wonder if in Russell's referencing just the defensive line and not the whole front when he said that, just based on using the Veach quote, I don't know for sure. Because I would agree. If you're talking about the defensive front with the linebackers included, no. No shot. That second level is just... I mean, even if you want to include Willie Gay, there's just lacking the combination of experience and playmaking at that level, at the, mm-hmm. at the NFL level. But just defensive line, I think there's a chance. Frank Clark... Chris Jones, you have your two studs up there, guys that can make big impact plays. The Frank Clark's also really good against the run. I think Derek Nottie's one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL for what he can do against the run. The big jump's going to be Tano Pasnio. I wrote about him needing to take a big jump this year. Like the Chiefs are expecting him and they're putting him in a position to take a step forward. He did last year. When I went back and watched him though, there's still some, not even just inconsistency, he's just not as dynamic as he needs to be. If the Chiefs want to have a top five defensive line in the NFL, he needs to be a little bit more dynamic. He needs to consistently beat bad offensive tackles faster. He can beat them. He just has to beat them a little bit faster and a little bit quicker on a consistent level. That's his next step. If he gets to that point where he's beating the Garrett Bowles of the world and he's doing it in two to three seconds, then you're kind of getting to the point where, okay, this team could have a top five defensive line in the NFL because you have that guy across from Clark. You have good depth at defensive end. You have some useful defensive tackles and Mike Pinnell, Colin Saunders. Like I think I think it's there. You just really need Passino to go from quality, constant, solid plays to mixing in a lot more big impact plays for the team. Yeah, I think if you were ranking defensive lines based on their top two guys, the Chiefs probably... Oh, they're way up there. Yeah. They're top five with their top two. But I do think that there's a a fall off there. There's a lot... There's not a bona fide third guy on that front uh, on on their defensive line. Um, And there's quality depth, but I don't think there's like just top end skills or guys that you're really expecting to get a lot of production out of it. You know, like the Niners, like they have a very clear bona fide third guy and Javon Kinlaw. And I mean, they've got some dudes. So guys like that, uh, Baltimore, uh, the Titans, Packers, the Packers, yeah. the Packers have a top, a sick, like top three. <laughs> yeah. Like their top three rivals, the chiefs top two. Very obviously. Uh, and our the Chiefs top three, obviously. Uh, Derek Vreeland asks, who do you think Spags has starting at outside corner opposite Charvarius Ward on Thursday night? And who do you want to start in that position? Hashtag Veach does not believe in corners. <laughs> Fantastic hashtag because it's true. That is why they are going to play safety convert Legereus Sneed on the outside this Thursday <laughs> because he did not play cornerback his final season in college. I mean, I expect Legereus Sneed to get the majority of the reps at outside corner. He might not on play one of the game. I don't know. I expect him to, but I mean, I'd say it's a 40% chance that he doesn't just with the NFL lack of NFL experience. Maybe the day of they're not feeling super confident, but I think he's going to get the majority of the snaps by the end of the game. That's who I want to see out there. At this point in time, you just got to throw them in there and you got to sink or swim. They don't have another option. There's not anybody else in the roster that I feel good about playing outside. It seems like Rashawn Fitton has been relegated to an outside-inside combo depth player rather than a starter. It just seems like that's the reps he's getting in practice. That's the way Sam Madison kind of talked about him. So Sneed is your future starter on the outside if he puts it all together. Might as well start with him on day one because I don't think he's going to learn a whole lot from watching anybody else on the team go out there and play right now. Yeah, the Chiefs depth chart that they released, the unofficial depth chart that they released, had Rashad Fenton as the opposite corner from Charvarius Ward. But if the practice that we saw is any indication, which a lot of the moves that they made do line up with what we saw in that practice. It wasn't like, you know, everything that we were seeing was completely hidden by Andy. They actually lined up with a lot of the moves, a lot of the depth that they had in there. Rashad Fenton was not that guy starting outside. It was Legereus Need. So I do expect that that's going to be the case. And who do I want to start in that position? 
Jeffrey Okuda. That's who I want to start in that <laughs> position because that would mean that the Chiefs invested highly in a cornerback and some team stupidly passed on him for long enough for the Chiefs to get him. What did Brett Veach trade up to get him? I don't because care. Because they, they, they <laughs> did it from 32. I don't um, care. <laughs> I, um, I think... I think it's going to be Rashad Fenton. I want it to be Legarius Sneed. I was I, I I haven't listened to all of the press conference, but I was encouraged to read a couple of the quotes Brett Veach put out about the corners. I think they like their young corners based on what Brett Veach had to say, and they I think they're willing to throw him to the fire a little bit. I hope we see Legarius Sneed. I hope he starts. I still think they might just roll with Rashad Fenton to start. Uh, Ad Jobu. I hope I I said that right. Uh, why do fans, writers, always stumble all over themselves to project that the Chiefs, with a deep running back group and first running back or first round running back, will sign veteran running backs like Fournette and Peterson, but nobody says a word about guys like Sidney Jones or barely mention Prince and Mukamara? I think the big reason is the Chiefs always keep four running backs. At least they have for the past three seasons, and the rationale from Andy Reid was the running back position gets beat up a ton throughout the season. That year that we started keeping four running backs, Andy specifically said we were thin at the position. We had to kind of scramble to find guys. We didn't want to do that anymore. And then they've since kept four guys. Like Andy's come out and told us that he wants extra bodies in the running back room because injuries do happen there a lot. So it just makes a lot of sense. Whereas the cornerback room, if you bring in a cornerback right now, who are you getting rid of? Are you getting rid of Bo Pete Keys? Are you getting rid of Antonio Hamilton? Legere? Like you ha- somebody has to go to bring in an extra corner right now. That's the only reason I think it's the obvious move is to look at a running back. It's just because that's what the Chiefs have told you in the past. Chief England 55 asks, which out-of-conference team are you most excited to watch this season? Listen, I, I have no shame in this. I think Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever play the game at this point in time. Patrick Mahomes may pass him. He's more talented. He's had better highs already in his young career, but Tom Brady did it for such a long time. I love watching Tom Brady play football. You're going to put him in there with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, two of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL. If I get a healthy Rob Gronkowski back, I get to watch Dominican Sue. I, I mean, it's a fun team to watch, so I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to watch Bruce Arians get a quarterback that can operate on a high level again and not just Jameis slinging the ball around. It's like, we can't pretend that Tampa wasn't already fun to watch last year. If the quarterback play gets better, I'm, I'm excited to watch him. Okay. I know Kent's got two, and one of them is mine. I'm going to leave him the other one. <laughs> I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals will be fun. I think they'll be really fun. Kyler throwing to DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk sounds like a lot of fun. Kenyon Drake in that backfield as well with Eno Benjamin sounds like a lot of fun. And then I am just, I'm very, very curious to see how Isaiah Simmons, a safety, translates to the Will linebacker (laughs) role there in Arizona there. I I think they're going to have to get creative to use him right. And I think they can. They've used guys like that well in the past. Buda Baker's there, you know, Patrick Peterson's still there, Chandler Jones is amazing, so they've got a lot of fun pieces on that defense as well, but I do think that they gave Kyler plenty of help on offense, and I'm just really curious to see how that looks. Wait, Craig, you said I had two? Yeah. Who did you think my other one is? The Bills. That's the a- That's the that's same conference, though. Oh, it does say conference. I, th- I thought it meant division. Yeah, the Bills are are my guilty pleasure. The Arizona Cardinals are my guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have another uh, NFC team though that uh, I am kind of interested. in. Oh, the Vikings, of course. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Dan Jones and Joe Judge in the New York Giants this year. Oh. I'm very fascinated by that. Um, but I'm giddy to watch the cardinals like absolutely i cannot wait to watch it just Tyler does Murray. a player you know pass out on the field and have to go to the hospital under joe judge's tutelage there see what are they okay, going to be so doing all once these jokes practices we got start? all these jokes off but it feels like things have really calmed down and i don't think the players are as beat up about it as people think because there was like i i just watching some things and observing some things recently i don't know we're gonna find out I'm I'm super fascinated to see 
what Jason Garrett the Clapper does, Colin plays for Dan Jones. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Joe Judge is going to be doing Oklahoma drills the in pregame. That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. I just want to let everyone know that I've canceled every Arizona Cardinals game from my uh, television for cutting Hakeem the Dream Butler. Uh, I just want to put that out there. The fact that they would betray me like that, they despite the fact that Kyler Murray would be the second quarterback I would take if I were redrafting quarterbacks right now after Patrick Mahomes, I will no longer watch a single Cardinals game. I'm going to transition right into this question real quick because you just gave me a perfect opportunity. Seadrift24, let me know what you guys think of Hakeem <laughs> Butler. Does he have a potential... To, to fill the X spot when or if Sammy leaves next year, or are we concerned he can't make the roster at Arizona? I feel like a guy that size with his speed could be an Andy Reid weapon. I think that Hakeem Butler has all the physical traits. He has a physical profile to be a good player in the NFL. Clearly, he was a very raw prospect coming out. I think plenty of people, myself included, maybe underestimated the rawness. And I know a lot of people out there didn't think he could separate and thought he had bad hands. And like those things may be relatively true. But I thought you got him into the NFL. You taught him how to run routes better than they did at Iowa State, despite the fact that he was still really good there. He'd be a good weapon. I would love the Chiefs to bring him in. At this point in time, you could probably put him on your practice squad because it doesn't seem like any teams are chomping at the bit for him. And if you can put him on a practice squad, get him some work down there, maybe you have something in the future. It's a low-risk, high-reward play, but I'd love to see Hakeem Butler on this team. Guys, that size don't run 4-4-9s, which is good enough to play in the NFL. He brings that contested catchability, but also the ability to get deep. I don't know. It's, just, it's crazy to me that he could only last a year with those physical traits when you have other guys that survive multiple years in the league that can't do either of those things uh d johnson 29 biggest new impact player on offense or defense besides cloud edwards alaire or bill gay boy i'm glad i get to go first on this because there's not many guys uh colecchio simile on offense i think as long as he's healthy he's going to just be a stud so I, I think that he's going to help improve a lot of the stuff on the interior of the offensive line. He's going to open holes for Clyde a lot better. He's going to make things more comfortable on Eric Fisher, who hasn't necessarily had a solid presence at left guard in ever. I mean, a long, long, long time. So, I mean, I think that that's going to make a big difference for Fisher as well, not worrying about getting beat back inside, knowing that he's got smart help there. I just think that that's going to help him. It's going to help Ryder. I think just by adding him, you're just going to strengthen a couple more spots. So I think he's a big impact guy. Defensively, I'm going to go with Taco Charlton. Like Craig said, there's not a ton of options sitting around here for this question, given the way the Chiefs played the offseason. But I think Taco Charlton's going to get plenty of chances to at least work himself for the rotation. I don't know where he's going to start in the rotation. I don't know if he's the third guy up, the fourth, the fifth, the guy that's not going to be active. I don't know yet, but I think at some point in time during the season, he's going to be able to get on the field. And I like his physical traits quite a bit. Yeah, he has to refine some things. He has to keep working and getting better. That's why he was a free agent and he's now on his third team. But there's a lot of physical traits there. If he's motivated and ready to go, I think he could definitely come out, have a really good impact. It's similar to Emmanuel Ogwa did last year for the Chiefs. So I think it speaks to the roster itself that there's not a ton of guys. Like you know, like you guys are saying, Antonio Hamilton is one that makes a lot of sense to me personally. Just because there's a lot of versatility to his game. And he's going to be utilized in a lot of different areas. He's always been talking about he's played outside corner. He's played a little bit of safety. He's played in the slot. He's done a lot of different things there. But his special teams value too. He is a highly revered special teams player. Dave Tobe is geeked out to have him in the mix. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think, you know, he's a guy that, that potentially could make an impact. But there's just not a ton of guys. This is, this is the run it back tour. This is it legitimately is. the run it back tour. I, I actually said Antonio Hamilton on another podcast that you guys can look for later, but oh. I uh, I spoke very highly of Antonio Hamilton. I, I think that the staff really likes him in that slot safety role. Like I It may just be the dime role that he gets, which would be about 30% of the snaps, but I think between the 30% of the snaps there and the special teams contributions that he's going to make, Antonio Hamilton might be a sneaky big impact player for this defense. All right. B. Jones KC asks, which players are in the most danger of being cut 
when Bashad or when yeah when Bashad Breland and Mike Pinnell return, Maddie. I think when you have to start, you got four Titans on the roster. So unless that gets sussed out beforehand, I think Ricky Seals Jones, assuming Deion Yelder's healthy by then, has got to be one of the first guys looking to go. And then Tershawn Wharton's a great story, and it sounds like he's been very impressive. I don't see the Chiefs keeping five defensive tackles along with six defensive ends. I think Wharton, of the guys that they have right now, is probably the lowest man on the totem pole. You could slide him onto your practice squad if he doesn't flash too much and protect him. So I think Tershawn Wharton would be kind of the second guy. Yeah, I think those are the two obvious ones. Maybe a Yasir Durant, although I don't know that the Chiefs want to cut into their tackle depth like that. I think he's got the ability to play outside. So I don't know that that would necessarily be it, but maybe one of the offensive linemen if they can find a guy or, you know, are comfortable with who they have. But yeah, it's basically Wharton and one of the tight ends. I wouldn't be surprised if Tedrick Thompson saw his way out here relatively soon, too. The Chiefs played with four safeties most of last season, and once Juan Thornhill is in good shape, I could see a Tedrick Thompson or an Armani Wants out the door. That comes down to special teams, obviously. Drew Cobb asks, what is the problem with HaHa Clinton Dix? Is he worth the trouble, or what about taking a swing on Sidney Jones? We had a lot of Sidney Jones questions this week. We did. We did. Sidney Jones is fine. Uh, Sidney Jones would probably be an upgrade to maybe the bottom of the Chiefs cornerback grouping there. But like Maddie said earlier, it means that you have to get rid of Bo Pete Keys, Rashad Fenton, who they currently have projected as a starter, or Legereus Sneed. And they don't want to get rid of those guys. Those are their young cost control guys. Yes, I get the run it back aspect of it, but they've got Bashad Breeland coming. Like that's right around the corner here. So I think that's a situation where they're going to just kind of ride out the first four weeks of the season from a cornerback perspective, whether we like it or not. But I don't think that they're going to add a guy there. And then haha, Clinton Dix, man, I, I, I don't know. You know, he's, he's one of those safeties that always seems to be bouncing around to a different team recently. Uh, he has decent seasons. And then nobody wants to sign him again. It was the Trey Boston effect there for a little while where <laughs> they just, Trey Boston was always available yeah. late in the year and nobody seemed to know why. It's got to be something, attitude, something, getting along with teams, uh, work effort, you know, wh- whatever the case may be, there's got to be something there that's just preventing him from landing a consistent job. ENC Pairs asks, I'm curious why it's Chad Henney over Matt Moore. What's the differentiator? Well, uh, Back in 2019, the Chiefs were making a decision on who they wanted to try to make the backup quarterback for Patrick Mahomes, and it was two of the guys under consideration were Chad Henney and Matt Moore. They rolled with Chad Henney the first time. Second time around, they gave Chad Henney a two-year deal. Um, I think the Chiefs value the continuity that Chad Henney and Patrick Mahomes have because you know Chad Henney was around for a lot longer. He was there through camp. He was there in 2019. He was there for, through camp. Uh, and 2018 as well. Um, so, you know, he's been there, he's established. Um, I, I think that's really just what it is, is that level of familiarity. Matt Moore came in and was great in a spot, um, as a spot starter. And, um, you know, he's really good in that role. He's very capable. He's comfortable, you know, just jumping in there and doing it. So I think you got to continue to roll with that. I do think one of the things that always comes to mind when I hear, you know, people discussing Matt Moore versus Chad Henney, I remember in the playoffs, Matt Moore sitting on the bench there and Patrick Mahomes having to kind of come over and pick him up a little bit. You're like, no, get your head up. No, don't act like that. Get your head up. We got, we got to get out there. We got to do business a little bit. I don't think that Chad Henney maybe has that same sort of mentality. And not, that's not to say that Matt Moore is weak or anything like that, but I do think that that, that mental fortitude that maybe Patrick Mahomes has, Chad Henney has as well, and that kind of translates and it makes a stronger QB room because, you know, Henney's just basically there to bounce ideas off of because if Mahomes goes down, well. <laughs> <laughs> Rockies fan forever asks, what does Tano Pastino have to do this year to get a second contract, Matt? So generally speaking, when I look at like development for, let's say, an edge rusher, especially a guy like Tano, who didn't come in as a guy ready to play in the NFL, like the first thing you want to see is them get adjusted to the NFL speed, size, physicality. Then next, you want to see them start not to be absolutely terrible. Like you just want to see them be able to go out there and not lose every single rep poorly. 
then you get to the point to where they, they're just consistently being okay and average. They, maybe they're not winning a bunch, but they're also not losing. They're doing their job. They're following their assignment, technically sound, things like that. And that's kind of where we got in with Tano. He doesn't have a lot of bad plays. He just isn't flashing a ton of impact plays at this point in time. A lot of his big plays are later in the rep. A lot of his big plays are just simply being unblocked and then having good athleticism. So at this point in time, I think he needs to showcase that when he has the mismatch, when there's a poor player across from him, he needs to be able to consistently take advantage of him. If he can do that, and then especially if he can show the ability to beat and make impact plays against mediocre or good players, that's where you're going to have to have the talk about a second contract. But if he just continues to be steady, just a steady quality football player, I think the Chiefs are just going to have to let him walk away and let somebody else pay him. You really need to see him come up and start to make more big time plays that change the game. The Claude asks, Matt House was a defensive uh, defensive coordinator candidate before Spags recruited him to run the linebacking court. Has the tape he has out so far made you excited for what he can do or are you concerned the pro game might be too big for him i'm not concerned about matt house yet um i don't think he's had a lot to work with yet uh you know he too was learning spagnello's scheme just like the rest of the linebackers there he was given you know anthony hitchens damian wilson ben neiman dorian o'daniel and darren lee and he tried out every single one of those linebackers in some sort of position and just ended up with Hitchens, Wilson, Ragland. I forgot Reggie, my son. I'm sorry, son. And uh, and Ben Neiman there. So I, I think that this is a situation where this is the year that we can see Matt House maybe take that step. We see what his true impact is because you've got year two of the system for all of these guys. And you know guys like Ben Neiman, if they take a step forward, if you know, Anthony Hitchens becomes a better player, faster player. And if Bill Gay gets on the field quickly, then you start to see that Matt House and that hire become way, way, way more important. It's kind of tricky because like Craig said, he wasn't handed a lot, but the Chiefs front office thought Anthony Hitchens was a quality Mike linebacker based on how they played him or paid him. Darren Lee was a first round pick at one point in time. Like obviously it didn't work out, but they thought that there was still something there. Dorian O'Daniel was a top 100 pick. I mean, like they thought these guys might have something and Matt House wasn't able to get a ton out of them for what the Chiefs thought. Now, when I watch those guys play, I think Matt House did a fantastic job with what those guys can do on the field. Like <laughs> He is taking a very bottom tier linebacker group and trying to get them to play like the 30th best linebacker group in the NFL rather than the third clear 32nd. So there's no issue there. I think I do think that Matt House, for me, I liked him a lot more as a defensive coordinator candidate than I have as a linebacker coach so far, but it's just not fair to him because he's learning a new system. He hasn't been given a lot of help. I'm more than willing to give him another year, two, three years before I even start to question him because I really do like his resume and what he's been able to do in the past. I hope this year you see Ben Neiman or Damian Wilson or Anthony Hitchens start to show improvement and that way I can really bang the table and say, this is what Matt House is doing right now. And I mean, it was a small step, but I do think Anthony Hitchens was better last year than he was his first year in Kansas City. Not a large step, but I think it, I think he made a little bit of an improvement there. Uh, so you can give him a little bit of credit in that regard. I'd lean on Damian Wilson Great. more than Hitchens for the improvement. Yeah, but like I'm just talking about I no I know, but I'm just saying. Look, he, I get you. I get you. He, he was a dumpster fire in year one. He was having to read an extra key before he took a step. Let's I mean, let, yeah. let's no, chill be, with that. To be fair, Blake Martinez had to do the same thing and uh, played significantly better. So, and it's not like Blake Martinez is a stellar linebacker either. All right. Great Googly Moogly asks, who leaves Kansas City first? Spags, Matt House, or Brendan Daly? If it's Spags, when does he leave? And who does he, and who does KC promote to be the defensive coordinator, House or Daly? Okay. So I think it's going to be Daly that leaves first because I think the Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl and the run starts on Thursday. And I think after that Super Bowl, Steve Spagnuolo doesn't get an opportunity to be a head coach, but Brendan Daly gets an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. When Spags leaves, I think Matt House is your defensive coordinator. I think it's Spags. Like, I think some team is going to strike out on... I think Joe Judge is going to strike out, and they're going to need a steady veteran presence. Bring Spagnuolo in. 
Yeah, the the Giants are familiar with him, and they want a coach that maybe understands the ropes, knows the way the NFL works, and don't want to try a new coach that has never done something like this before. And when that happens, I think Brendan Daly gets promoted. I don't. I'm not necessarily on the train that Brendan Daly wants to leave. Like one of the things he said when he first came here was, "Yes, my wife has family from here. Trust me, that's a big reason why we came." Like I, I do think that he is a little bit more tied here than just the job. I think that the job helps, but I think we're starting to see some of these moves that he's making. Mike Dana, Chris Jones, Tershawn Wharton, even, you know, guys that are a little bit outside of the Spagnolo realm here seem like more daily kind of moves. So I think that maybe daily is kind of building the foundation to be able to take this over. Boy, do I hope Craig is right. I hope he's right because (laughs) I don't think so. I think what you're seeing in the NFL now is teams that are hiring new coaches. They want the young. They want the hot offensive mind quarterback guru to come in and groom the offense. I think you're going to start seeing less. I mean, you already have. You're seeing less and less defensive-minded veteran coordinators being promoted to head coaches for other teams in the NFL. I think you can look at the Broncos with Vic Fangio and just be like, it doesn't look like it's going great right now. They're struggling to turn over that offensive coordinator position to finally get someone to really lock in with Drew Locke and make it work. Like, I think... GMs are looking for that kind of connection from the head coach to the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm just not so sure there's going to be a huge market for Steve Spagnuolo, even if he makes this defense better and the Chiefs repeat. As much as I thought last year or even early this offseason that Spagnuolo would be out if they win again, you a team's got to come knocking. And I just don't know if a team wants to kick the tires on a veteran defensive coordinator that's had his chance essentially twice now as a head coach. Brendan Daly, on the other hand, if you are looking for that young guy, well, one, Brendan Daly can go be a defensive coordinator or a head coach, and it would be, you know, he would get a promotion. He doesn't have to just make a lot, like, Steve Spagnuolo only has one option to leave. That's as a head coach. Brendan Daly can get promoted to defensive coordinator or randomly as a head coach. He deserves a chance at defensive coordinator. I hope it's here. I really want to keep Brendan Daly here no matter what. I would risk firing Steve Spagnuolo if we had to, to keep Brendan Daly. I'd risk it because I really think that he is going to be one of those guys to keep around. I just don't think Andy Reid will do that. And I don't know if anyone's going to come banging on Steve Spagnuolo's door at this point in time, the way NFL head coaches are going. I will say this. If the Washington football team takes big steps this year, that is a veteran defensive coach that moved and took over a team and, and older r- and older and righted the ship. That's a little bit more of a track record with. Oh, with oh Ron yeah, Rivera, no, no, can... you can trust Ron Rivera to run the run the show there. Like Steve Spagnuolo, you're probably not being like, "Hey, buddy, you're in charge of the draft." Yeah, and Rivera also took a team to the Super Bowl as the head coach, whereas Steve Spagnuolo flirted has with one, like four wins. Two, he has won two Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator. What more do you want this man to do? Yeah, I, you, I think you, you're right. There's a chance <laughs> I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for the mailbag edition leading into week one of the National Football League. We will be back. I can't believe we're saying this. We'll be back with a game preview on Wednesday. Can't wait. We'll catch you later. Don't forget, BYU, Navy, tonight, primetime. Watch that college football, guys.